Let's get into it. Luke 13. I'm going to read three verses, or four verses rather. Four verses from Luke 13. Start at verse 10 through verse 13. Hallelujah. I'm going to re-pose uh, our on-time challenge. Y'all got better today. I noticed you got better. Amen. Amen. What time service start? 10.30. Amen. And so we ought to be here before 10.30. Because we've, got, we've made an appointment with Father God. We've made an appointment. Amen? And um, when you make an appointment with Father God, with the king, you don't show up late to meet with the king. Amen? Sometimes 10, 15, 20 minutes late for an appointment, you get canceled. They don't charge your car, too, or whatever. They charge your account. Father God is much more merciful than that. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We'll, we'll, we'll do better. Praise the Lord. All right, Luke 13. Are you there? Let's read verses 10 through 13 together. Ready, read. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. She had a spirit of infirmity, and he said, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. Today I'm talking on the subject, loose from financial infirmity. This is part two of that. And uh, I, I want to actually uh, put a parenthesis around financial because uh, as I, the more I read into this and the more I hear from God, um, again, you can apply this to finances, but I want you to really see this in every area of your life. This is very broad, very broad. So when you listen, listen for your particular area right now. You got it? Or areas of your life. So loose from infirmity part two. Father, thank you for the word we're about to receive. I pray that your people would have open ears, open eyes, open hearts to receive that which you speak to us. And I pray, Father, that you be glorified today as we minister your word and that, God, your people will be edified and built up and that, God, we will all um, be healed today totally so we can step into all you have for us as your people and be the lights in darkness and be the commercials, the displays in the earth of your glorious goodness, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, take your seats today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to review a little bit from Wednesday night. You were here. Y'all blessed Wednesday night. All right, now, let's go back over Job 36, verse 11. That's we've been, we've been there for the last several weeks here. Job 36, verse 11, which um, says, if they obey, this they is us, Right? If they or if we obey and serve him, him who? God, the Father God, right? The Lord Jesus, we can, the whole Trinity, okay? But if we serve God, the Father, the Lord, then we'll spend our days, how? In prosperity. In prosperity. Come on. And our years in pleasure. Now, remember I talked about this looks like here, this is a lifestyle. Because when it says spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure, this is not tax refund prosperity. 
right? This is not just Christmas season happy. You know, right about now, everybody starts to get a little happier, a little chippier. Right? Everybody, you know, they, they play the right music. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Here. And everybody is feel, feeling good about everything when they're in the store. And, you know, oh, hey, how you doing? Good morning. Everybody's speaking. People who don't normally speak start speaking, you know, during Christmas season. Everybody's feeling happy, feeling good. But we're, we're supposed to have uh, years in pleasures. Our days. Not some days, their days. So this is not just part of your days. This is all of our days in prosperity. So this is a lifestyle of blessing. I called it Wednesday night chronic bless. Chron chronically blessed. Chronic blessings. Y'all know what chronic is, not, not the weed. I got to say that. We say chronic and young folks start thinking about spliffs and all that stuff like that. Hallelujah. Bongs and all that kind of crazy stuff. But I'm talking about chronically blessed versus chronically stressed versus chronically ill versus chronically broke. And most of God's people are spending their lives chronically broke, chronically ill, chronically stressed. Hallelujah. I mean, it's, this, it's almost like they're more stressed than they are blessed, more ill than they are healthy. Remember in, in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, where, where the Bible says, Beloved, I wish uh, that you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Prosper in all things just as your soul prospers. So God wants you and me to be prospering in all things. Our days in prosperity, our years in pleasures, chronically blessed. Somebody say, I'm chronically blessed. Other words, blessings come on me all the time. Everywhere I, I turn, blessing on blessing. Every time I turn around, blessing. Blessing on blessing. Right? When you read the God's word in, in the first chapter of John, when the Bible says that we, we, uh, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, we beheld his glory, the, the only, only, as of the only begotten of Father, full of grace and truth. And it says, and of his grace we have all received, and grace for grace. When it, says, when it says, of his grace we've all received, and grace for grace, it's talking about God, through Jesus Christ, just loading us with blessing on top of blessing on top of blessing until it overflows in our lives. God does not mean for his people to walk around chronically stressed, but rather chronically blessed. Not chronically, chronically ill, but chronically healthy. Remember he said, I wish above all things that you would prosper in the King James, wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. Not prosper and get healed, prosper and be in health. So in other words, health is a lifestyle. Tell your neighbor, health is a lifestyle. He don't want you to get healed, he wants you to be in health. Can somebody say amen? That means that we ought not have chronic illness. And lingering illness in our bodies. Now, I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody, picking on anybody, because most of us didn't know this, so we've, we got, you know, we, we acquired some things. But once you learn, once you know what God's Word says, you can begin to eliminate the chronic things that have been plaguing your life. Are you okay this morning? Okay, so chronic blessings, chronic 
uh, prosperity, chronic pleasures. Y'all getting this here this morning. So uh, again, 3 John uh, 1 verse 2, again, it's just as your soul prospers. Just as your soul prospers. Everybody say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. I am a spirit. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, I think it is, talks about that we ought to be preserved. Uh, he wants to be preserved spirit, soul, and body blameless. So I have a spirit. I am a spirit, rather. I have a soul, and I live in a body. So he says my prosperity and my health, my healthy lifestyle, is based on the condition of my soul. My, not my spirit. My spirit grabs hold of this word immediately. That's what we say. Immediately. Your spirit grabs hold of this word. Your spirit knows that this word is, is the truth. Jesus says in John 6, 63, he says, it, he says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So when you hear God's word, you're hearing it, you're hearing spirit word and it speaks to your spirit. But you got to process it through your soul. Your mind, will, and emotions. Y'all got this here. All right, I know I'm reviewing, but I want you to, to make sure that you're on, on the right page with me here. Okay, so we looked at John 5 last week, right? John 5, and we saw this, this man, the Bible says Jesus Christ went up at a certain time. It was a feast time, feast of the Jews, and he got there to a place called Bethesda, uh, and there was a, a five porches, and he talked about all these people who were laying around sick, blind, verse 3, sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed, right? And King James talked about there are sick and they were or impotent folk, it actually said impotent, and then it said uh, blind, halt, and withered, right? So there's a group of people laying around, and the Bible says they're all waiting on the moving or the troubling of the water. Verse 4, if at a certain season, an angel would come down, and he'd stir up the water, and whoever stepped in first, they'd be healed of whatsoever or whatever disease he had. So they're waiting. And they're in these, have these maladies in their lives, these bad conditions in their lives, and they have no way of, of, of rectifying these conditions in their lives. Y'all got this here. And then we get into verse 5, though, and we talk about this one particular man, a certain man there in verse 5. It says, now a certain man was there who had what? An infirmity how long? 38 years, 38 years he had an infirmity. Now notice then when I brought this out to you Wednesday night that, that it says here an infirmity. But you notice infirmity wasn't in the list in verse 3. Now I hope to God you were here Wednesday night or you watched Wednesday night or you went back and you watched Wednesday night. Because what God released to hear Wednesday night was life-changing yeah. to, to me. I hope it was for you. Yeah. I, I mean, I know it was. It had to be because I, I got, my, uh, my, my nephew called me, must have been Thursday, saying, man, I, I, I had to pull on over the side of the road crying, trying to, trying to listen to this message. He's like, it changed my life. So praise God. It just, it helped me because I know what it meant to me. Y'all got this here. So it said here this man had an infirmity of 38 years, and I told you that infirmity was not one of the conditions on that list in verse 3, right? And I began to contend that the reason the man, that the man had to have one of those conditions in verse, in verse 3. But I showed you verse 5 gave us the reason. 
because he had an infirmity. Okay, now if you weren't here Wednesday night, I don't have time to go through all the details, but let me try to give you a little bit of this here. Again, that word infirmity in verse 5. The word infirmity in verse 5. We normally think of infirmity as a physical sickness, and that's okay. There, I'm not, I'm not going to dispute that, but I want to go deeper on the meaning of it. Okay? Verse 5 of the word infirmity, uh, asthenia, all right? Lack of strength, weakness, infirmity, of the, and then it says of the body. This, 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 the two different areas where you see this lack of strength, weakness, and, and infirmity, okay? Of the body, it's native weakness and frailty, feebleness of health or sickness. Here it is. Of the soul. Of the soul. Of the soul, it means lack of strength and capacity requisite to understand a thing. To do things great and glorious, to restrain corrupt desires, to bear trials and tribulations. So your soul is in a weakened or sick place where it cannot put up with anything. It cannot do anything. It, cannot, it, it, it won't allow great and glorious things to flow into it and flow through it. And I contended with, with you on Wednesday, and I'm going to say it again today, that the reason most of the body of Christ is chronically sick. Chronically broke. Chronically depressed. Chronically anxious. is because an infirmity in the soul is there. That the sickness or the poverty or the issue that you're battling in the natural is there because of. And infirmity in the soul. Are y'all getting this here? So he says in verse 5 again, there was a certain man who had an infirmity 38 years. 38 years. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Remember I preached on that Sunday. If you want it, you can have it. But then we begin to dig deeper, and we switch to the King James, where Jesus says, wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou be made whole? That word wilt is an old Shakespearean English word for will. Will you be made whole? So what Jesus Christ is saying to him, that the issue with you being made whole or being healed is in your will. Okay, y'all got to get this, ladies and gentlemen. The, the, the thing, and now where is your will found? In your soul. Your soul is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Some, somebody say emotions are good. I, I, was, I was in my prayer time this morning spending time with God and just having a good time with Father God. And, and I was getting emotional. And I began to say, Lord, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be, to be emotional. He said, no, that's okay. He said, no, I gave that emotion. I gave, I gave you emotions. He wants us to get emotional with him. And what we've done in the modern church is we, we've, we've, in the faith world, we've condemned emotionalism so much that we've forgotten. And so the faith church gets all stoic and all preserved. And praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We know we're a word of faith. We're a word of faith. Wonderful. Glad you're a word of faith, but you ought to have some emotion in you. When my soul gets happy, you ought to... When I think of his goodness and what he's done to me, my soul, as these ought to cry out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. My soul got happy. Come on now. So don't ever skip out on the emotions as if emotions aren't spiritual. How many of you know God is a spirit? 
The Holy Ghost is a spirit. And yet the Bible says grieve not the spirit of God. Isn't grief an emotion? That means God gets emotional. He who sits in heaven laughs. God gets emotional. Anyway, so we're made up in our soul of our mind, our will, our emotion. Our mind is how we think. Our will is how we choose. Our emotions is how we feel. So Jesus asked the man in John 3, verse, verse 6, he says, Do you, will you be made whole? Is it your will? That's why I was dealing with you last week on this. If you really want it, you can have it. Because God has to get down to your will. What's really in your will? Jesus saw this man. He'd been there. We assume 38 years he'd been, he'd been lying there. Jesus Christ has probably seen him every year. Every feast he's gone to that same place, he's seen this man lying there. And he has to say, hey, do you really want to be made well? Is it in your will to be made well? So I begin to minister to you on Wednesday night that he was dealing with the soul issue. That when it says the man had a certain, a certain man had an infirmity, he was talking about the man had an issue in his soul. Okay, that word wilt, thelo, to will, have in mind, intend, to be resolved or determined, to purpose, to desire, or to wish, right? So the will, listen to this, take a picture of it or record it when you get home. The will is a functional compartment of the soul. The will is a functional compartment of the soul, right? Again, our mind will our emotions, okay? So we have a will. Everybody say, I have a will. I have a will. Say it again, I have a will. Glory to God. How many of y'all husbands know your wives have a will? What do you want to eat, honey? Oh, I don't know. Oh, anything. Anything? Okay, how about this? Oh, no, I don't want that. I thought you said anything. I thought you said anything. I thought you said it didn't matter. Obviously, it actually mattered. Why? Because your will is your chooser. See? See, and what you're saying is, if I go to that place, I'm not going to have pleasures. I'm not going to enjoy that today. Today. Maybe tomorrow, but not today. So your will is where you're choosing things. See? And what people don't understand is, is where, please don't take this wrong. Where we are is because it's where our will took us. Now listen to me, listen to me very carefully. Because I, I don't, don't want you to get offended by that and become defensive when you're listening to me. Where you are is where your will brought you to. And somebody's going to say, well, no, Pastor, I don't want to be like this. I know not anymore. But where you are is where back then your will brought you to. You're not going to stay where you are as long as you've changed your will. But where you are, oh, I'm so fat. Well, your, your, your will brought you there. It wasn't because you were born fat and big, big boned and your mama, no, I didn't do it. It's your will brought you there. Oh, you, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to pick on anybody because, you know, I'm battling the buzz myself. 
But what I'm, my point to you is that wherever you are, your will brought you there. You ever heard of willpower? That's real. That's not just some natural term. Your will has power in it. It'll drive you. Are you hearing this? All right. So, so we're, ta- we're dealing with the soul, the infirmity in the soul. Okay. Now, let's go to, to, back to Luke 10. Luke 13, rather. Thank you, Jesus. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. Luke 13. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Luke 13. Verse 10. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had what? A what? Okay. Now, remember, I showed you Wednesday night that when we see spirit of infirmity, we naturally go to the place where there was a demon or some kind of evil spirit causing her sickness. And I, I did my best job as a lawyer for the kingdom of God to prove my case to you that this is, there's more to it. I'll I, I say it that way because I don't want, to, want anybody to be destroyed in your theology. I want you to know there's more to it than that. That there's more to it than just a demon coming and causing this. That with a demon, because demons don't have to stay with you. See, as children of God, de- you're not demon possessed. Am I right about it? You're not demon possessed, but you can be demon harassed. You can be demon harassed, which demons come and they'll drop something off and keep on going because they, they, they can't possess you. Right? I mean, you, you, ever, you ever been around gnats? You know gnats? They, they, they don't get in you. They just get around you and you just... Am I right about it? And demons are like little gnats. Doesn't your Bible call Satan Beelzebub, which means Lord of the Flies? That's what Beelzebub means, Lord of the Flies. So the devil, he has all these demonic flies around you just trying to bug you and harass you. Here comes a thought. Right? And so, and so he comes along and he brings these issues, these drops off these thoughts in your, in your soul, your thinker. Right? And if you take those thoughts by saying something, He's moved on, but the seed's been planted, and now there's a tree growing up. Y'all better catch that. He's not possessing you, but he does harass. He drops off seeds of doubt, seeds of fear, seeds of unbelief, seeds of of inadequacy. And you get that seed, and if you don't dig that seed up, neutralize it very quickly, it comes into your spirit, and it'll, it'll be planted and grow up as a tree. And so now what happens is your spirit, or we, I'm going to show you here, your soul now is infirmed. So when it says she had a spirit of infirmity, do y'all remember, remember the Bible talks about, about uh, Caleb in the book of Numbers, I think it's chapter 14, where it says in, uh, Caleb was, he had a different spirit. Remember the, all the, the children of Israel, those tw- 12 spies? Ten of them, they were giving these bad reports. Oh, no, we can't do it. But the Bible says, but Caleb had a different spirit. It didn't mean he had a demon. It didn't mean he had an angel spirit. It's talking about his spirit. 
his spirit was different. So remember, uh, you remember uh, Daniel in the book of Daniel chapter, uh, I don't know, three, somewhere around there. It talked about Daniel and it said that Daniel had an excellent spirit. It might have been chapter six somewhere. He had an excellent spirit. It didn't mean there was an uh, excellent angel over his head. It meant his own spirit was excellent. So I want you to see this then. In other words, his inside was excellent. Now, remember when it, when it says spirit, Old Testament, ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about spirit because Old Testament, they were not born again. And so you weren't even alive to your spirit until, the, until you get born again. Right? Ephesians talked about, and you hath he quickened, hath he made alive in Christ. So your spirit isn't even alive until you get born again. So Old Testament, when you see spirit or heart, is talking about the soul. Somebody, you learn, I'm going to learn you something today, boy. I'm going to learn you something today. Somebody say, learn me, pastor, learn me. So it's talking about your soul. Your soul. Your soul. So Daniel had an excellent soul. Caleb was of a different soul. So we are talking about now this man who had a, uh, this woman rather in, in, in Luke 13 who had a spirit of infirmity. She's not born again. She had a spirit of infirmity. It's about the soul. And I gave you that word. I think I gave you that word Wednesday night. Um, that word spirit is the Greek word pneuma, which means the spirit. In other words, the vital principle by which the body is animated, the rational spirit. Look at this. This is right out of, the, out of the, your concordance here. The power by which the human being feels, thinks, decides the soul. You got it? So it's right there playing for our, our faces right here, right? So it's the soul. So she had a soul that was infirmed. 18 years. And the result was, put, put that back up on the screen, Luke 13, uh, verse 11. Luke 13, I think, I think we're in verse 11. She, as a result of that spirit of infirmity, what, what was the condition she had? She was bent over and could not raise herself up. She was chronically bent over and could not lift herself up. Now, you can see that in your finances. Oh, y'all ain't... Bent over is, a, is a, a also an, an indication of servitude. And the devil will keep you in a financial servitude place where you're not the head or, the, or you're not the above, you're the, you're the tail and you're beneath. And you're serving because you're bent over and can't raise yourself up. Can't get your ends to meet. Can't get them to talk on the phone. They won't talk on the phone. Can't even get your ends to text each other. can't raise yourself up. And the problem is not how much you make. The problem is the infirm soul. Because when you have an infirm soul, somebody can come along and put 10,000 in your hand and before you know it, you're going to get rid of it because your soul is infirm. Somebody say, Lord, heal my soul. So Jesus deals with the infirmity. He deals. Whew, Brother Nathan, he deals with the infirmity. He, now, what did he do? Look at, look at verse 12. Verse 12. 
Notice we all read the part, he said, woman, you are losing your infirmity. But I want you to see how he healed her soul. Pastor, how did he heal her soul? He called her to him. You missed, you missed that. He called her. I want you to imagine a woman who comes to church week after week after month after year after year after year. And because she's in this condition, people don't really hang. They don't, they don't invite her to lunch. They don't ever go out to invite her to the party when they're having a, you know, a get-together. She's not part of anybody's small group because she's this bold over woman. And she who, ain't, ain't, ain't got time to take care of her. She just, she's just she's a misfit in society. She's feeling all bad, feeling rejected. And Jesus Christ, he saw her. The word saw, I, if you study the word saw out in the, saw in the Greek, you'll see where he observed. He intentionally looked at her. He studied her. He focused on it. Listen, saw, saw there doesn't mean he noticed. It means he looked at her. I tell you right now, he's looking right at you. He's observing you right where you are. He sees you in that condition. He sees you in that circumstance. He sees what no one else sees. All they saw was she was bent over. But what he saw was an infirm soul. He sees what your cousin and your auntie and your doctor cannot see. They can have their, their, their scopes. They can give you an MRI, but they cannot see an, a, a, an infirm soul with all their x-rays. They can scan you in 4K, 8K, but they cannot scan your soul. And the reason why she was bowed over, bent over, and could not raise herself up was because she had a soul, a spirit that was infirmed. So to minister to her, he called her to him. He paid attention to her. And said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. He talked to her. He just spoke to her. He, he didn't speak at her. I can guarantee all the religious folk at that time, they talked at her. We know they had a bad attitude about the woman because, because once she got healed, they had a bad attitude about her. They had a total bad attitude about this woman being healed. They weren't rejoicing. They weren't happy. They, they weren't saying, oh, Sister Mary finally healed. Oh, Sister Mary finally Oh, she, oh, Lord, no, they were mad. So you know they had a bad attitude about Sister Mary in the church. But here he is. He saw her. Oh, may he see you this morning. May he see you right where you are. May he scan you. May he run a Holy Ghost MRI on your soul. Oh, may he do an x-ray. May he, may he study you and see all the way back to your childhood. See back to your early days. See that hurt. See that pain. See that brokenness. See that abandonment. See that rejection that caused that infirm soul that doesn't let you raise yourself up anymore. And then he called her to him. And he spoke to her. 
You see what he's doing? He's ministering to her soul. And then he said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. Well, yeah, you bet. He just ministered to that. Y'all, y'all going to see this here in a second. Verse 13, and he laid hands on her. Now he ministers to the physical issue. Oh, y'all will get this by next Thursday. And he laid hands on her. See, once he ministered to the soul, now he ministers to the physical issue. And the reason so many people of God are stuck in chronic sickness, chronic illness, chronic brokenness, chronic lackness is because they've not let God minister to the soul and they keep wanting God to minister to their finances, minister to my hand, touch my body. He's saying that ain't the problem. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Because, watch this. The Bible says in Mark 16, Jesus says that with these signs of follow them that believe, he says, they shall lay hands on the sick, and what happens? So if you've ever had hands laid on you, healing came. I said, if you've ever had hands laid on you, healing came. Because God cannot lie. Well, I didn't receive it. I know it. That's what I'm trying to show you. But it came. Tell your neighbor, but it came, it came, it came. It came, it came. There's a show. As they obeyed God and laid hands on you, healing came because Jesus Christ said so. So healing came. If you didn't receive it, it's because it couldn't get through your soul. But the healer is here today. I said the healer is here today. Jehovah Rapha, the one who will heal even our hearts. He is here today. They laid hands on her and immediately she was straight, made straight and glorified God. Glorified God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Can I, can I show you something else? Oh. Go to Matthew chapter 8. I want to show you this. This is a pattern. It's a pattern. Everybody say a pattern. A pattern. I, uh, my son, the faith brother, uh, Pastor Caleb, called me last night. He was talking about this particular scripture, Matthew 8, and he was looking at something else they were doing for their church. And uh, as I was praying this morning, just having fun with God, me and Jesus having fun, and uh, he brought the scripture back up in my spirit. He said, look at that. Go look at that. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm not preaching that. No, go look at that. And I saw something. I saw my message in Matthew 8. So I, I, I take up as Caleb. I said, hey, I'm, I'm for the preachers with your stuff. <laughs> but not the way he's preaching. He's preaching something different. But I saw my message in his text. Matthew 8, verse 1. Verse 1. I want you, you're going to see this pattern, Chris. And when, when he had come down, he is Jesus, right? When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Verse 2. And behold, come on, read it. Behold, a leper came and saying, Lord, if you are willing. So notice the leper comes to worship Jesus, and he's confident about Jesus' ability. He's confident 
that Jesus can heal him. I'm going to come on this side and test y'all first. I said he's confident that he can. Are y'all confident that he can? Y'all got it? Y'all sure? I'm going to try them over there. He said, I'm confident that you can heal me. Are y'all confident he can do it? Are you confident he can heal you right now? Are you confident he can make you a millionaire right now this month? Are you confident he can fix your marriage, fix your family? Put every, are you confident he can turn your life around? Are you confident? Somebody say, yes, he can. But the issue, the question he had in his mind was, Jesus, are you willing? I know your ability, but I don't know your desire. I don't know if you're willing to do it. And the reason why he doesn't know if he's willing is because of his condition. Good God Almighty. Just leave it. He's confident that Jesus can. But he's not sure if he's will. If he wills. Not because of Jesus, but because of himself. Ah. And there are many people who suffer too long. Not because you're not sure he can. You know God can. You know God. You've seen him do it for somebody else. But because of your own personal condition, your question is, will you do it for me? Jesus, you don't understand. You know, you understand the church. You know, I, I smoked 35 years. You know, I, I know God can heal of cancer, but I'm not sure. I knew I wasn't supposed to be smoking, and I kept smoking, so I'm not sure if he will do it for me. Oh, I got some, some, y'all don't, don't, don't get scared. Some venereal disease, you know, because I was shucking and jiving and sleeping around, all that kind of stuff. I did it 25 years, and I knew it was wrong. I felt like it was wrong all the time I did it. But, you know, I know God can, but, you know, I was wrong, and I knew I was wrong, and I, I'm not sure if he will do it. And so so you're, you're going to stay right where you are in that chronic, chronic, chronic outbreak. Chronic, because they tell you that you have a chronic outbreak. You have an outbreak every once in a while. You have a chronic outbreak. Not, not because you don't know God can. It's because you don't know if he will. Y'all can get quiet in this Presbyterian church all you want to. But I'm telling you the T-R-U-T-H truth. And I don't know if he will, not because of his ability, but because of my condition. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, what's his condition? Leprosy. That's his physical condition. But he's got a different condition that you can't see. The real condition is in his soul. And his, in his soul, he's grown accustomed to the fact that he's an outcast that first of all, by Levitical law, no one would touch him. But because of his leprosy, he's been abandoned and rejected by all of his family, all of his friends, all of his homeboys, all of his compadres. He's out there in the world feeling like he's all by himself in this world. So his soul has become hardened by rejection. His soul has become hardened by abandonment. His soul, my God, has become infirm by what he's had to deal with in society. 
And he says, Lord, I know you can. I'm just not sure if you will because I, when you look at me, I know you see my condition. And I'm not qualified for you to touch me. I'm not qualified to receive your blessing. I'm not qualified to receive your ministry. I'm not qualified to receive your healing. But I know you can. And there are people who will go to their grave. Go to their grave. Knowing God can. Go to their grave knowing God can. And never receive his will. So Jesus... Before he heals him of the physical condition, he has to heal him in his soul. Oh, you'll see it. 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 Verse 3. Verse 3. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. See, in your mind, you've gone back here and touched his and said, I'll be clear. No, you missed. Don't, don't skip over that fact. Don't skip over the fact that he put out his hand and touched him. A man that had not been touched. A man that had not been touched. A man that had no level of human touch for years, maybe decades. Because Jesus had the ability to just speak. He could have spoken and said, be healed. He could have waved his hand over him. He could have said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He could have said, like, like Elijah, go, oh, Elijah, go wash in the Jordan River. But Jesus ministers to his soul, Warren. And he put his hand out. Can you imagine what happens to this man who's touched and he, oh, Jesus, and he knows this isn't a regular touch. This is Jesus the master. Jesus the healer. Jesus who by law should have not come within a hundred feet of him. And when Jesus touches him, that man got healed from the inside out. Oh, may he touch you today. May the Lord put out his hand and touch you right now in your soul. May he put out his hand and touch that infirmity Touch that illness, touch that hurt, touch that pain, touch that abandonment, touch that rejection, touch you like you've never been touched in your home. May he touch you like your mama hadn't touched you, like your father hadn't touched you, like your spouse hadn't touched you in 30 years. May he touch you right now. May he heal the infirmity in your soul right now. He put out his hand. And he touched him. He could have, little baby. He, he could have. He, he could have. He, he, Jesus could have scooped out of some dirt, spit on it, and threw it at him. The touch was intentional. 
the woman in Luke 13, he didn't have to call her to him. He could have, he could have spoken that lady from 50 yards away and said, oh, be healed. Okay, go to Mark 5. Go to Mark 5. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I ain't going to finish these notes. We'll, we'll get to it Wednesday night. Mark 5. Mark 5. Go to verse, um, let's go to ver about verse 14. About verse 14. I'm going to guess. You may have to go before or after. I'm not sure. Mark 5. Let's try around verse 14. Uh, no, no. We got to go way, like 35. 30, verse 35. 35. Thank you. That's the story. Mark 5, 35. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, you know this story. Give me, give me verse, um, okay, y'all in 29. All right. 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. Y'all remember this story? This one with the, what we call the issue of blood. Issue of blood. Issue of blood. That's the physical issue. She had chronic bleeding. Somebody's going to get healed today. She had chronic bleeding. She couldn't stop the flow. Chronic bleeding. Chronic anemia. Weak, sick, slowly dying. And by Levitical law, just like it was with that, y'all listen to me? By Levitical law, just like it was with that leper. I'm, I'm going to come over here so y'all can watch me. By Levitical law, like it was with that leper, that woman who had an issue of blood could not be around anybody. Unclean. Unclean. In fact, thank y'all to warn. In Levitical law, those lepers, when they go anywhere, they'd have to announce ahead of time, unclean, unclean. People knew not to touch them, not to come around them. Unclean, unclean. This woman with this, your blood, you, under, under Levitical law, anything she sat on had to be discarded and burned up. You couldn't lay in the bed with her. You couldn't, you couldn't sit anywhere where she sat. She, she was forced into isolation. Imagine how degrading it is in her soul. And she'd only had it for 12 years. It wasn't her whole life. So in the, in the previous years, she built relationship with people. She had family. She had loved ones. She had friends. But for the last 12 years, she'd been in total isolation. And if she wasn't in isolation, she had to be in a camp with other people in the same condition. Just like lepers had to be in leprosy camps with other people with the same condition who are dealing with the same hurts and the same pains. And you know what happens when people get together with other people who are hurt? You start to get what, what the Bible calls a root of bitterness. Because seeds of hurt, I'm preaching to somebody. Seeds of hurt, seeds of pain will produce roots of bitterness. Yeah, 
and they connect. So this woman, this woman at best, has spent the last 12 years around people who are hurt just like she's hurt. Who've grown, grown intense in their bitterness towards society. And yet by her faith, she pressed through the crowd. More than likely on her hands and her knees. Because she's so weak in her body. And Jesus, the Bible says, go, go back to verse 29. 29. Verse 29. The fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. So when did she get healed? When did she get healed? It says what? She's healed of her affliction. Now go down to verse, let's, let's keep reading. Can we keep reading? Let's keep going. Verse 30. I know I'm going, but I'm going to show this. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? Now, Jesus could have just kept going. Y'all miss it. He, he could have kept going. Remember, he was on his way to Jairus' house. Y'all know the story, Mark 5? He's on his way to Jairus' house. He could have just kept going. But he must deal with an issue. He said, who touched me? And they, he looked around to see who, uh, her who had done. He looked around and saw her who had done this thing. Verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling. She's, now, she's healed physically. But she's... She's, she's fearing and she's trembling, knowing what had happened to her. Came and she didn't walk up to him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah this is me. She fell down before him because she knows I was, I was wrong. You ever, you ever seen a dog that's been abused? You ever seen a dog that's been abused and you go to pat the, pat the dog and dogs? <laughs> Dog. You see on these, on these uh, SBCA commercials, these dogs that are trembling because they've been abused and they, they're afraid to look up. And they're, they're children that we know who've been abused. And oh my. Oh, the Lord ministered that to me this morning to talk to y'all about foster kids and, and, and kids who've been abandoned. They grow up with this, this fear. And this woman, for 12 years, she's been abandoned and isolated. And so she's fearing and trembling, knowing what had done, what, what was done. And she came and she fell down before him. And she told him all the truth. Yeah. Now, Jesus has to bring, now she's already healed. But he said, that ain't enough. Somebody's grabbing a hold of this. Verse 34. And he said to her, he said to her, when he said, daughter, he's digging out the cancer in her soul. Because I don't know if you notice, but daughter hit different. I said daughter hit, it just, it just hit different. It just... Earlier she was woman, but now he called daughter hit. That just hit different. 
Because daughter implies, woman just implies her status. Daughterhood, daughter uh, implies relationship. Now she's already healed. The blood is dried up. But I, I, I got to get down to the nitty gritty. I got to get down to the root cause of why you stay in chronic bleeding for 12 years. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, wait a minute. I thought she was already healed. He said, yes, I know you're healed on the, inside, on, on the outside, but I need you to have peace on the inside. Because once you have peace on the inside, now you'll not just get healed, you're going to stay healed. See, and the reason why so many folk in the body of Christ either never get healed or they don't stay healed is because they dealt with the physical and never got the peace on the inside, on the emotional, on the inside of them to get that peace on the inside. When the Bible says in, in Isaiah 26, 3, that God will keep us in perfect, whose minds are stayed on him. That word perfect, perfect peace means peace on the outside and peace on the inside. He said, woman, go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What's been afflicting, what's been harassing you, you are healed from it from this day forward because I've reestablished connection, reestablished relationship, reestablished your daughterhood, and now I've spoken peace. And when you have the peace of God, The Bible calls it a peace that passes all understanding. So what happens when you have that peace that's on the inside, you might go and the doctor might say, hey, this year in your checkup, we found this. But when peace is umpiring your heart, let peace rule in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God make the call in your heart. Your, the peace will say, doctor, I hear you, but I don't receive that. Ah, oh, Jesus. Doctor, I hear you, but I'm not going to die. I'm not going to fret. Because I already have a peace on the inside that my soul, it, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Go, go to uh, Philippians. Go to Philippians. Good God Almighty. Good God Almighty. I love Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Chapter 4. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Verse 4. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are you in Philippians 4, verse 4? That's where I'm starting. Rejoice in the Lord. 
I've been watching Koja Convention all week. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again, I say rejoice. Now this time when I say rejoice, I want you to do it. Ready? Rejoice. I say rejoice in the Lord. King James says let your moderation what it literally means is let your self control be known to all men what does that mean reverend well I'm pastor I ain't reverend what it means is when you hear bad news because your heart is fixed trusting in the Lord you will not have any fear of bad news and when people know something's going on in my life I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to have self-control. I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to keep everything steady. I'm not going to freak out because I'm letting my self-control be made known. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Do like these Baptist boys. I'm going to take it down a key. Oh, Lord. Be anxious for nothing. Y'all miss this. I'm talking about when Jesus told that woman, go in peace. He released. He told the disciples, peace I give to you. My, my peace. When, when he made a peace deposit, it settled their hearts and their minds. And he's trying to give you a peace deposit today. So you can get out of chronic sickness, chronic illness, chronic brokenness, chronic anxiety, chronic depression, chronic bad dreams, chronic nightmares, chronic hangups, chronic addictions, smoking chronic, chronic relationships. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Elder Warren, here it is. And the peace of God. And the peace of God. The peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding. Y'all missed it. This, thank you, Holy Spirit. I don't think I ever saw that before. Yes, sir. Not just peace that passes what people understand about your life, but the peace that passes your understanding. 
Because see, if you if you only go as far as you understand, then your trouble will trouble you. But this peace passes understanding. It goes past your understanding. Which means I don't know when and I don't know how. But I know I'm going to make it. Oh, boy, y'all didn't say nothing. I don't know when and I don't know how. But tell you, Abe, I'm going to make it. Find somebody else who looked like they didn't hear it. Tell them, I don't know when and I don't know how. But I know I'm going to make it. Somehow, somehow, God is going to turn it around. Somehow, God is going to turn this around. Somehow, I know God's going to do it. I know God's going to heal it. I know God's going to fix it. I know God's going to do it. I don't know how. Tell somebody else, that ain't none of my business. No, say it, say it black, that ain't none of my business. And tell them it ain't none of your business. How you gonna make it ain't none of your business. How it's gonna turn around ain't none of your business. How God's gonna do it ain't none of your business. How God's gonna fix it ain't none of your business. Watch, watch your soul. Watch your soul right here. Watch your soul. Will guard your hearts and talking about my soul. Though the storm keep on raging. In my life. And sometimes it's hard to tell the night from day. Yet the hope that lies within is reassured. As I keep my eyes upon the distance shore, I know he'll lead me safely to that place. Prepare for me. If the storm don't cease, if the wind keeps on blowing in my life, tell somebody, my soul, preach with me, my soul, my soul, 
says, this hope we have as an anchor for the soul. And the reason why I haven't lost my mind I've been through stuff y'all have no clue of, but the reason why I hadn't lost my mind because peace like a river attends my way. I've got peace that passes all understanding. And when Jesus touches me, he doesn't just touch my outside. Because he knows if he just touched my outside and never heals me on the inside, I'm susceptible to a reoccurrence of the same issues. That's why in John 5, right around verse 14, he told that man that he healed, he said, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come on you. Be healed in your soul. So you go from chronically stressed chronically blessed chronically sick to chronically healthy chronically broke to chronically blessed it's got to happen it's got to happen in your soul you got to receive what he says Jesus, thank you, Father, that God, you're the only one. <laughs> Your word says that the spirit of man or the, or the soul of man is the candle of the Lord, and you search the innermost parts of our belly, the innermost parts of our being. So, God, you know how to search on the inside everything that's been blocking the flow of your anointing, of your precious spirit, of your power. God, when we believe your word, when you say that God, we're healed and we know we're healed, when you say that we lay hands on the sick and the sick recover, we know healing comes. When you send prophetic words of prosperity increase that debts are canceled and Poverty is erased. We know you cannot lie. We ask you, God, to run that MRI on our souls. Cat scan our spirits, oh God. Search us, try us, and see if there be any wicked thing, anything in us that's blocking the flow of that glorious power. And I pray, Father, that these your people receive the healing. I want everyone to grab hands with somebody next to you. Just like Jesus touched that leper, I want you to release a healing touch, a loving touch right now. I want you to squeeze that hand and just release that love to them right now. Just, just trust me. Just, just you're doing that right now. You're releasing that love to them. they've gone through. You don't have to know what hurts they've had. 
Jesus really like working hard to heal people. He, he, he didn't just do that. He just he would just just touch or speak a word. You know why? Because he um, I, I, I ran out of time. Let me let me get share a scripture with you. Media, show me um, Luke seven. Luke 7, verse 20 through 22. Oh, but I'm not a little man, 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 I'm not a when the men had come to him they said John the Baptist has sent us to you saying are you coming you're coming one or do we look for another keep going and that very hour he cured many infirmities afflictions and evil spirits so notice he dealt with first infirmities a 
afflictions and evil spirits. If you study all three of those terms out, infirmities, afflictions, and we know evil spirits, they're all attacks in the soul. They're all attacks in the soul. We know evil spirits attack the soul. The afflictions are in the soul. chance, read Isaiah 53. Read all of Matthew 8 and you'll see the parallel what Jesus had to deal with the soul. He bore our infirmities it says. <laughs> Griefs. So he dealt with the soul. So infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits. Semicolon. Now watch what happens. And to many blind he gave sight. And blesses he who was not offended because of me. Messenger John came. He, he, what did you go out to see? Go, go to verse um, 25. Keep going, keep going. I want to get to where I want to get to. Verse 25. But what did you see? A prophet? Yes, I say more. No, that's not it. Where, where did I tell y'all to go? No, I'm, 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 on, I'm on 20 through 22. Verse 20 through 22. You're way out there. Yeah, give me 20. I get 21, and that burial he cured many afflictions. Okay, yeah, verse 22. Verse 22 is what I want. Thank you. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard. Now, what did he do first? He cured infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirit. Now, he says, Now go tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. What you've seen and what you've heard. Now, what are they seeing here? The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. Deaf are raised, are raised. Deaf here, the dead are raised, and the poor are the gospel. Those are all physical manifestations of what he dealt with first. I, I don't know how to make this more plain. That let me tell you this as 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 um, your man of God, spiritual dad, whatever you want to call. That God doesn't want you having to be at every altar call. You understand what I'm saying? Thank God you're here today. This is going to be the beginning of something new. Because what he's been doing for the last week is healing your soul. When, when he heals a soul, I don't have to wrestle with anything. I'm just, I just gonna lay my hands on you, and the healing flows from heaven through me, past your soul now into your body. Manifestation comes. So I wanted you to lift your hands in this room right now. Lift your hands. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive the healing in my soul. Cure the pain, the affliction, the grief in my soul. Fix all the hurt, all the trauma that I've experienced and has plagued my soul. I thank you now that Jesus bore all of our sickness, all of our griefs, all of our sorrows. 
y'all catch that? He bore all of our griefs and the Bible says all of our sorrows. And I know in our word of faith mindset, we know to translate into physical sickness and pain, but I want you to see exactly what it says. Griefs and sorrows. Father, I declare right now that your people, they are healed. They are healed. They are healed. As I lay my hands according to your word, I thank you that they are healed and the healing manifests. No more delay. No more delay. It ends now. It ends now. Every chronic condition ends right now. In the name of Jesus, be healed. 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 Be healed. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Be healed today. Now it's over. Thank you.
inside and outside. Inside and outside. Where's Princess Umbella? Come up here real quick. Princess Umbella, come up here real quick.
soles of your feet. Heal. This day, never to return. In Jesus' name.
yours. Take it. Beyond, beyond your understanding. Beyond your understanding. Beyond your understanding. Peace. Receive it. That's your peace. Receive it. 
Jesus' name, be healed inside and outside. The kind of head that soles your feet. I curse every condition. I curse every attack of the enemy. And I command you now, be healed. Bottom inside. Out. 
condition, I curse it. I curse it now in Jesus' name. And I loose healing virtue now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. By that name and faith in that name, I command you to be healed.
Jesus. Amen.